Welcome to the Launch University Podcast, turning good intentions into reality in your career, business, and life. Here's your host, Kevin Jennings. Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Launch University Podcast. Kevin here, and I have the pleasure of being today, being joined today by Matt Chastain. Matt is a writer, a director uh, with Lime Soda Films, yeah. and he actually has a new project that's just about to come out, and it's a movie called Small Group. And for those of us who have any, who've been in a small group, you already have your ears perked up, but for those who don't have any idea what that means beyond a literal limited a group of people with a limited quantity uh then we're going to make sure that you get a chance to understand what that's all about mm-hmm. but today i'm really excited because we have never had a filmmaker on the podcast to talk about what it means to launch a film but we all have seen the launch of a movie we've all seen the red carpet events we've seen pr inter- interviews like this one but we've never had an opportunity to understand what goes on behind the scenes how those individuals approach launching and we're happy to have matt join us today so matt Thanks for hanging with me, man. Kevin, man, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I, this is is a very, very, very exciting show to be on uh, because it's like you said, it's not just about the launch of this film, but I, I love your, your listeners uh, really represent who I've been for, for the last several decades, uh, the insanity of, of the uh, startup mentality that we all share. Uh, it's, it's a sickness sometimes that we all have that we have to be launching big ideas. Uh, but you know what? If there weren't people launching big ideas like you and like your listeners, where would they come from? Indeed. Well, 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 that, thank you so much for even empathizing with us like that, because I'm sure many of us, when we hear that, um, it's said in a derogatory term. So I've never been called insane and felt so so loved. <laughs> Um, no, well, I'm one of you, brother. So I can. Uh, it's a self-deprecating thing, but yeah, no, it feels it feels crazy sometimes to do what we do. And I'm just you know thinking about my my own career and, and the paths that I've taken. And you know, I've only. I've only actually worked for a corporation for three years of my life or worked for someone else for three years of my life. I've been on my own um, since college, uh, really. Wow. So, so I, I totally understand where your listeners are coming from and the struggles they've, they've gone through. And uh, I'm just happy to talk about, you know, the, the launch of, of my career and what I've done from, from idea to, oh, my gosh, we are going into theaters tomorrow. Well, well, that being said, so that, so that's perfect segue for me. So one of the questions I was I, I immediately wrote down for myself was, okay, so you're a writer, a writer and director for Lime Soda Films, which I'm sure is your company, but mm-hmm. so I just want to get understand what you do holistically and what your organization does. Lime Soda Films was created uh, for Small Group the Movie. It's just the production wow. company for Small Group the Movie. No, I have been a full-time filmmaker on this project. It is a, it's more than a full-time job. It is a, a, a life passion. It takes up more of my time than, it, than my wife is very comfortable with, although she's fantastic. But no, this has been my full-time gig for over about two and a half years now. Wow. Um, and 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 it was it was almost a full time gig for even two years before that. So um, I owned a marketing company, and I, we can go kind of back up and talk about that here here in a second. But I, I co owned a marketing company with a, with a good buddy of mine, and that it's funny the, the success of that marketing company was really all by accident. Uh, we my, my buddy and I I don't know if any of your other entrepreneurs have ever have ever found themselves in this situation. It's another in, insane thing. But my buddy and I, who just were both serial entrepreneurs by heart, serial idea people. We grew this marketing company with both of us having the goal to escape. <laughs> we mm. both wanted to see who would escape first because, 
telling other people's stories. Uh, you know, we, we had a bunch of uh, we, we, clients who were like hot tub dealerships and try, trying to sell hot tubs to, to, you know, for, for dealerships is one step below used car selling. So we were blessed to have, have the clients we had, but both of us had bigger dreams. Um, it's just, we were implementing the skill set we had while we chased those dreams. And so I got the idea in 2014, I was just sitting in a small group with my wife. We had just joined a new small group. We're, she and I are Baptists. And uh, so we were a little late to the small group party and we had just joined this Baptist church um, and uh, we, we were trying to plug in. It was, a, it was a larger church than we had been a part of growing up. And everybody said, you should join a small group. You should join a small group. You should join a small group. So we tried for, you know, six or seven, eight months. And, and that, that can be a daunting process in and of itself. Socially, you're, you feel like there's this, all these clicks, all these cool kids, and none of them want you to be a part of their group. Uh, but finally, we were, we were allowed into one. We were actually recruited into one. And in my first meeting, I got this idea that this is just a, a notice that it's just an incredible environment for storytelling. And this idea I think was given to me uh, that someone should make a movie called small group. I mean, small groups are the really the, one of the most important relationships that so many uh, evangelical Christians have. It's, it's more important than their extended family. And you've seen plenty of movies set in the family about, about workplaces. You've seen movies about, you know, uh, teams, but nobody's ever done a movie about small groups. So I just, from that idea, uh, I, and I can go in depth as to how that idea, you know, kind of grew and launched. But from that idea, four years ago, we are, we are in theaters this Friday. So it's exciting, man. That's incredible. So for, for you, it was the awkwardness of an experience that was that you felt there's, there's a way for me to communicate this story. And I have a question about that. I'm, I'm going to get back to in a second, because that was one of the things I, I was also jumped out at me when I even read about, about the movie and saw the trailer. Um, so so my, sex, my next question is kind of selfish in nature. Mm-hmm. And that was how long have you wanted to do this? Like how long have you wanted to create a full length feature film? That's an interesting question because this was kind of by accident. I started feeling compelled to, to, to make a film of some sort when I was still working with the marketing company kind of searching mm-hmm. for what that dream would be. And, yeah. I, and I, for a while, it was more of a, a documentary idea, perhaps even more of an episodic TV idea. But until I was sitting in that first small group meeting and bang, the idea hit me, somebody should make a movie about small group. I had never really considered becoming a writer director. I actually, I took the idea to a producer friend of mine um, who I, I, we were meeting about something totally different. And I go, oh, hey, Chris, by the way, at the, you should make a faith-based film called Small Group. You'd kill with that. And he goes, uh, hey, man, that's a great idea. Go write it. And so I said, oh, okay, I can do that. I'm a, you know, I'm a dreamer. And uh, so I, I did. But, but to answer your question, honestly, wow. man, I did not set out. I have not had a, a lifelong dream. But I will say this. I've always wanted to make pictures move. I've always wanted to tell stories. My hometown is a tiny little town called Monticello, Georgia. If you've ever seen the movie My Cousin Vinny, it mm-hmm. was shot in Monticello, Georgia. So, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Oh, that's so cool. So picture this. Uh, I'm 40 now. As a 10-year-old kid, I'm standing standing on the sidewalk when this car pulls into town watching this production it parks and joe pesci and marissa tomei hop out of the car and i remember getting a spark like oh that's cool this is cool making movies is cool and there was a spark there i was also a little disappointed because i didn't know who joe pesci or marissa tomei were i wanted to see the karate kid i'd heard he was in this movie too much smaller role <laughs> that ralph Macchio had in that one but by, that's when i got the spark and all through 
through high school and college, I made videos. Uh, and so I, you know, really make telling story by making pictures move, I think is the, is, is a dream that's always been there. It's something I've always pursued. It's what I did in my marketing company. But if you want to get narrowed down to as specific as when did you want to make a feature film, man, only four years ago, I was 36 years old and decided to do this. Wow. Okay. So I wasn't expecting that answer, but, uh, <laughs> but, it's, but it's way better than I would have ever imagined. Oh, well. So, so someone says, go write it. And, and something happens within you that says, I'm going to take this seriously and apply myself the way I would any, anything else. Yeah. I mean, what, what happens next? Someone says, go write it. And you say, are you serious? Do you, do you go talk to your wife? Like, like, how do you like, or you, or you literally go home that day and you carve out time, you know, like what, what, what's the next step for you as a launcher mentally when you're given that challenge? You know, I think that, that, a lot of people have barriers to keep them from, from pursuing this thing that's on their mind. And I have always, I think, been, if, if there's something I'm really passionate about, I don't have those barriers. I'm too stupid to know that, that there are things that, that can get in the way of this. Hmm. And I'm very headstrong and uh, I don't know what I don't know. So for me, it was like, I can write a movie, no problem. You know, there were, I just started writing it. You know, I, I remember wow. being at my office um, and I own the company so I could carve out time when I wanted to. And I've always been the type for if there's something that's passionate, that's on the forefront, I just, I can't, I have to do that. And so I'd get my work done at work and then I would start working on this thing. And I remember kind of uh, diagramming out a, a very simple structure. I knew nothing about film structure at the time. I just mm-hmm. knew that I wanted a very true story told. I knew that the, the, the market for Christian films was, there was reputation for Christian films being cheesy, being very contrived, being very preachy. And I, I knew that, that the the environment of a small group really lent itself to telling a much more real life type story, something that people would really, really enjoy seeing. It wouldn't be a dramatized sermon. Uh, I knew it needed, needed to have good conflict. I, just, I, I instinctively knew some of these things. So I just started writing a treatment, which is basically a summary. So I, I wrote a summary and sent it and sent it to Chris. He's like, this is good, man. Write a screenplay. I didn't know how to write a screenplay. I did find some cheap screenplay software and just started banging out and uh, just started writing, writing it, you know, and, uh, and, and, and for me, it was, I, I got 110 pages written and thought, sweet, I've written a great screenplay. This is awesome. That was easy. And so there was nothing that, that it's just, there was no limiting factors, no limiting barriers. I just did it. There should have been some limiting barriers because my first, <laughs> my first draft was terrible. And I think that some entrepreneurs kind of are, are limited by, you know, all these limiting beliefs and, and by, you know, oh, I don't have time. There's all kinds of things that limit us. Some of us go headstrong into something not knowing that uh, we needed to take a step back and, and gain some skills and learn some things. I was certainly one of those. But luckily, by the grace of God, I was um, hooked up with a guy named Dale Wheatley, who's been a producer out in LA for years. He moved to Athens, just had moved here to write a book. He wanted to move to a small town to write a book. He was tired of the LA culture. His specialty is developing kind of young writers, not young in my wow. case, but, but young. And so he read my script um, he thought there was something there. He's like, I can see there's some talent beyond this. There's lots of problems with the script. So Dale and I would, uh, he would take, spend 30 hours taking notes on the script. Wow. And, and uh, then we'd get together. Now in Hollywood, they just, they t- take a bunch of notes. They're mean. They send them to you. They feel destructive. You feel like you never want to write again and you're terrible and you try to move forward. Dale knows that's not how you really develop a script. So Dale would, we would sit down together at a coffee shop and we would talk about his notes. I didn't get to see his notes. We just talked about it. It was like a therapy session for the script. And I would take 
notes on our discussions. We would do it every time we did it. It was eight hours long. And wow. I would leave with this with 30 pages of notes. And then I would take a month or two to do a new draft based on those notes. We did this about nine rounds of this and it took 18 months. Wow. And so that's the development process was, was something that I'll take into any future venture that I do understanding that, you know, just go for it and then sit, do your, put your beta out uh, and then see what you got and then learn from that and then build upon it. You get, it's, it's creating anything is about doing it, then building upon it, you know, tearing it down, building it again, tearing it down, building it again. And that's how you create a great script. And that's how you create really anything. I love that, Matt. One of the things we talk about a lot on this podcast is the design thinking process, which is very iterative in nature, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea of saying, hey, what would happen if you first start to, just by learning and and, and digging into what the real problem is, right? Or what what that might be, imagining solutions, building a prototype like you did with your script, um, you know, trying to validate that and see if there's any, and see what values there. Obviously, you got, you got validated. You, checked off those marks multiple times, right? It's Mm -hmm. okay. Tell Chris about the idea. Chris says, interesting, go write it. You go write the treatment. You come back with the treatment. He says, okay, write the screen, write the screenplay. You bring back the screenplay and then you keep bringing back new versions of it. Mm -hmm. So someone says, okay, yeah, I think this is worth pursuing. Right. Um, And I'm sure there's tons of other checkpoints based into the process. So that's really actually, that's actually really cool to hear. um, Cause I'm thinking my first thought was, man, as an, as a creator or, you know, a launcher, how do you persevere sometimes through 18 months of it not being real? But I'm like, well, it was real. It was in paper and Chris and, you know, and Matt and, and, and Chris had these meetings. I mean, Matt, you know, I'm sorry, not you, not you and Me Dale. and Dale. Yeah, and Dale. Had these meetings that almost, that almost served as the next goals. So you, you don't have to think too far ahead because you had something ahead of you to get ready for. So there's, you know, yes, you're right about that. We had a, a structure to it, but there has to be an emotional driver. Hmm. You know, you do have to think long term ahead. You do have to picture what this whole thing's going to look like um, in order to em- emotionally drive you through the hell of the development process because it was. Yeah. Um, even though Dale's version of it is just it's it's lovely compared to Hollywood's version of it, but still, <laughs> I mean, every, every time I did a draft on draft four, I thought this is the one we're going out. We're going to make this movie next week, and it wasn't anywhere close. And that was wow. hard. But you got to have an emotional driver. The big picture, I. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you that the, the secret that kept my, me going was, and I only found this out later, is that Dale lied to me, completely lied to me. And, and what, I'm, what I mean by that is that he led me to believe that, that w- this thing would happen, that we were going to create a great script and that we'd raise the money and we'd make the movie. And that it would be successful. And he, he helped me fully believe that. And I think part of him did believe that it was possible. But later on, he told me, he said, Matt, he said, once we got to the point where this, we were ready to go out and raise money with this, with this, for this script, he said, I honestly never thought you'd go out and raise a million dollars to make this movie. He said, I, he said, I've done through this process with so many people. And I thought the end of it, you'd have a script you're proud of and off you go. He said, but, but what happened was we had a script that excited everybody so much and, and my network and Chris's network, having not been in the film industry. So that's the other thing that made this possible. I, if, if I had gone into, into, into filmmaking industry as a 21-year-old at college, um, all my friends would be in the film industry. We'd all be looking for money and not know anyone who has it. And so, uh, 
except for, you know, producers, the LA type producers, when you, you don't want to get into bed with those type of people a lot of the times. And so we had great business contacts. So we were able to go out and really work our business contacts, our family contacts. And in four months, we raised a million dollars to make the, to make the movie. And then Dale's like, Oh, okay. So this is going to happen. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, but no, I needed that emotional driver. I just trusted Dale, uh, that, that this movie was going to get made if I just kept going. And even though he was kind of lying to me, guess what? It turned out to be the truth. You know, one of the things that really struck me when I was going through my research, preparing for the interview, and one of the things you kind of alluded to was that you have a marketing background. Yeah. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, what a unique, I mean, you said earlier, it was just storytelling. Cause I was like, man, what a unique background to kind of walk through that. So you, you kind of talked, took us a little bit back through your story already. Yeah. Um, but you also alluded to the idea that you, you built a business with the, mm-hmm. with kind of the, the challenge with your friend of who's going to get out of this first. Yeah. Um, which makes me believe, and, and you might've already alluded to this a bit more, but I would just love to unpack it some, a bit. And that is, so what did, so what was the long-term goal if creating, a, if you created a marketing company with the goal of who can, who can, who can hit eject the quickest? <laughs> Good question. I don't know what we were thinking, man. I, you know, I think in my early thirties, I was just in a, in a season of discovery, trying to find, mm-hmm. I knew there was a big idea out there. I went to two or three of them. I knew there was something out there. Uh, my business partners, let me, I'll back you up a little bit. In 2007, I started working with, I was in my mid twenties, started working with Cox radio, Cox media group. And I did a lot of sales. I'd worked with an ad agency that I was a partner in before that. So I had a lot of, a lot of, uh, experience in, in radio production and had a lot of relationships with the sales staff. So the salesman, manager like she knew me so yeah come on work with us at Cox, Cox Media Group uh, sales is great I do like relationships I, I love people I love uh, providing solutions and, and really uh, being a problem solver I hate wearing dress pants and I hate wearing <laughs> dress shoes and I hate being a salesman for that reason. Now, luckily, they did. They were very, very great at Cox because one of my biggest strengths was uh, radio production. I do a lot of voiceover, and so I voice a lot of ads and wrote and produced ads, not only for myself, but for other uh, salespeople in the office. And that was a, a way, that w- a tool we had to help go sell radio. But I, I just knew, man, I didn't want to sit in a cubicle and sell radio the rest of my life. And so um, I just had this, this odd dream of, of doing this thing called a creative consultant. I didn't know what that meant. I just thought I can go and just basically be for, because in Athens where I live is a, is a medium sized college town. People don't have our businesses, small and medium sized businesses here don't have the, the ability to go out and hire marketing directors. Right. Um, they, they piece everything together with the radio rep and the TV rep and that kind of thing. And so uh, certainly not a creative director. So I thought I'll just go be everybody's outsourced creative director. So I had a one month old at home and I came home with and told my wife, I'm going to quit my corporate job with a salary and a pension and I'm going to go out and I'm going to be a creative director. And she, she's like, okay. And she believed in that. And I did. And, and, and I, before I had left Cox, I had, I got enough retainer business to actually make more money in my second, my, my first month out of Cox media than I did my last month at Cox media. Wow. So that was a blessing. And I started, um, started but, I, but one thing I did not do was web design and, and web development. So I had a buddy 
buddy of mine. He had actually played quarterback at the University of Georgia years earlier. Mike Ussery is a, 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 an interesting cat because he is better than most everybody I know at, at, at um, offensive coordinating because he was an offensive coordinator in football at uh, web development and at organic farming. And so uh, he and I got together with his uh, eclectic set of talents and mine, and we started sharing some clients. I'd pass him referrals. He'd pass me referrals. I'd do the creative. He did the web. Um, and then we're like, you know what? We need to get a checkbook so we can, you know, an account together so we can have a client's write one check. Then it, then it becomes, you know, we, we should probably, uh, we should probably get a website for us. Let's hire one person. Oh crap. We have an office and 18 employees. And that's kind of how that grew. And we just kept getting into, uh, it was just, it became, you know, going out and, and, and landing retainer clients for, for marketing, uh, web design and really, you know, soup to nuts marketing became very, very easy for us, but it wasn't something that either of us were very passionate about. M Mike always wanted to use his marketing to grow his organic products business. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I wanted to use my, my kind of, you know, my writing and, and performance ability to do something. Didn't know what at the time. And so I did a lot of voiceover work and that kind of thing. So, but in the meantime, we ran a marketing agency that, that again, it's, it's still going today. I sold my share to Mike. Uh, two years later, Mike sold his share to somebody else, but that agency is still up and running. And oddly enough, we use that agency that I used to own as one of the, uh, one, one of the partners for our, for, for small group, the movie. That's incredible. Yeah, that was, cool, man. That's really cool. I mean, and you, and you kind of alluded to what happened to, I mean, Wow. And, and how, how long ago was that just for a timeline perspective? So that you left, so you left the marketing company when? In 2016. So in, in January of 2016, wow. to kind of merge these two stories, Dale and I, well, Dale finally got tired of me pestering him going, this is their draft. We got to make this movie sometime. Dale, stop telling me to write another draft. He's like, okay, fine. Go out and raise some money. And again, he didn't believe it. But we, we got a group of entrepreneurs together. We had a great pitch deck, a great pitch video. We showed it to them in somebody's home theater. And that night we raised, I think, like 80 grand. And Dale went, uh-oh, this is going to happen. And so my, my, what I told my, my, my business partner in 2016 and, and my other new business partners was if we can raise up to the go number of this movie, if you raise, usually if you raise about 60 to 70% of the budget of the movie, you can mm -hmm. go. You can make the movie because you'll you'll end up raising the the rest um, based on what you're what you're doing in production. And so, I, I, as soon as we hit that go number, I, I my plan was to go ahead and sell my my share to Mike. So in May of 2016, Mike Usher and I drafted up the the sale agreement, and I I sold my half of prolific uh, marketing to him, and was a full time filmmaker. Wow. So okay. So I mean, I, I've, I have two questions. So for, I mean, first I want to pivot to talk about the film. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I also want to just kind of talk about, I mean, because it's so clear, just, you know, you are so open to exploring your own skill set, seeing a need, just offering it and seeing where it goes, letting it grow, letting you refine and an offering as you go. Yeah. But you've clearly had a couple, I mean, a couple of successes along this journey to obviously to be full-time away for most of your career uh, working for yourself. And my question now means when you made the leap you know, when I say leap, I mean, when you made the decision to sell your portion of your, of your of prolific, uh, your agency and to go become a full-time filmmaker, were you thinking, okay, and when this is done, I'm going to try to then sell another, sell another film because, because the process itself was so invigorating. You're like, you know what? I'm not thinking that far. I'm just thinking this film requires all of me and I'm going to go out there and do it. 
Well, I want to back up one thing. I want to tell you this. You're a very good listener because uh, every name I've thrown out there, whether it be my, my partners, my company name, you, you, you recall that. So I'm very impressed, man. You're a good host. You're a good listener. Oh, um, so that. Yeah. So, uh, okay. At that, that point, my mindset really was that I believed in this film. I, mm-hmm. I knew it would take a couple of years to get off the ground, but I believed in it more than than just this film in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, two things. One, the the this film has the potential to to become a product. Small group, the series. Small group, the sequel. You can tell endless story from the perspective of a small group or, th- or in the environment in a small group. So that's really always been my personal goal. I would mm-hmm. love to be stuck. That guy who's 55 years old and making small group seven and he's gotten nine seasons. <laughs> All he wants to do is go out and make a stupid art house film where people curse more often. I'd love to be that guy. That'd be a huge blessing. Um, um, will that happen? I don't know. We're going to see where, it's, where, where we're taking with this whole thing. But also, uh, Dale and Chris have a, a larger vision for, for filmmaking here in Athens. We know how to make films. I think if you, if you go see the film, you'll see that. Uh, the, the, the idea is, you know that Georgia has become the Yollywood, right? Like we're, 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 we've become Yollywood. More, more film is shot here than in, in California nowadays. But what, what, Mostly it is in Atlanta is your Hollywood's back lot. The producers, the post-production, the people who invest in it, the people who actually reap the benefits of the movie are still sitting in offices in Hollywood, California and in L.A., so, so all we are is we're a crew and a, and a, and a, and a location. So what we want to do in a small, on a smaller scale is make viable, inexpensive, lower, lower budget. And again, it's a, a small group was a million dollar budget. And it should have been two, but that's still pretty low budget for the film industry. But we want to kind of get our little niche and making, uh, having a viable, uh, economically viable film industry here in Athens. Where we're making not just faith-based. I'll put probably be the head of faith-based, but, but Dale Wheatley is, uh, He'll be an incredible art house film. He's got two or three art house films right now that we could produce tomorrow if we had the funding. So we him in art house. We've got another guy in genre. We've got people in documentary. And so we've got these filmmakers here in Athens who are ready to be developed so that, that the goal here is really a, a little industry of, of independent uh, film here in Athens. And I think it's a very attainable goal. That's awesome. And, and on the end, I think that's really important for all of us as launchers to understand, right? So one of the things that I'm taking away from your story personally is how you've repeatedly walked into a new opportunity open to get honest feedback from whoever is going to be a part of it. So yeah. whether you're able to sell this, create that, right? So there's an there's a openness to refining and even possibly closing and walking away. However, there's this duality of and I see this could be forever. This could be a long-term thing. And here's how it can be, right? So, so you have to, um, you know, there's this interesting tension to say, mm-hmm. can I think long-term while being completely open for anything to change tomorrow? Yeah. Uh, and I'll be honest, that's something that's very convicting for me to hear. That's something I want to work on. Um, well, I will say this. So before we talk about the, just the topic of the film and, and how we, we can all see this film, I am curious for, for those who are ignorant, because you, you spoke about the economics of, of what's possible. Many of us, myself included, don't really know how independent films make money. And, and, and so just, I mean, so I don't want you to give all your secrets away, uh, right? But, but I'm curious to understand, you say, hey, this can be, this can do this. And obviously my background in marketing and working with content companies, mainly book publishers, uh, authors, speakers, I have one understanding of how this all works. But when it comes to independent films, what, what I mean, how does that even work economically from a model perspective 
I don't know either. I'm just hoping it works out. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so yeah, so there's the the, uh, the path of any film can can go kind of as such. Uh, you, you first is a theatrical release. Uh, for an independent film, theatrical releases are very, very, very hard. Uh, the the exhibitors or the movie theaters, uh, the distributors, they are set up to handle you know large, wide releases. And so it's, it is treacherous, it is difficult, it is expensive, it is, um, you, you wonder why are you doing this? Mm. Um, but, and there are, there, are, there are graveyards littered with independent films that, that tried and failed, not only, not only to produce, but also to, to distribute theatrically. Uh, you want, but, but the reason we wanted to go theatrical is, is your, your, your home market where your money is really made is really seeded theatrical. Your, your theatrical is a lost leader. Uh, most everyone, lose his money on their theatrical release or at least barely breaks even but what it does is it really gets the word out and seeds the home market you become a you know a legitimate if you had a theatrical release you were in theaters um you don't get labeled with that straight to video moniker uh then then you have a, a viable shot at the home market now that's not to say that if you are straight to video, you can't make money. Lots of filmmakers make money um, in the straight to video market. The, the home market is is as bigger, bigger than the as bigger than the, the than the theatrical market. Mm-hmm. So it's really just about knowing your audience and and knowing the ways to get your content to that audience mm-hmm. um, in ways that you can monetize. So you got your theater. And, and the reason theatrical is, is so expensive is because you know dis, dis, distribution companies are expensive. They take a big cut of your uh, of of the pie. We, we are self distributing, which means we're doing it ourselves to to protect our investors. But even then, we have to, we have to hire out kind of uh, distribution services for hire. Theaters take they can take you know. 60 to 70 percent or 55 to 65 percent of the ticket sales goes to the theater not to mention that 25 dollar tub of popcorn so really if you want to make money in the movie business go build yourself a nice big theater um they make a lot of they, they do well but but in the and the advertising you got to put thousands of dollars sure. um behind every single theater you're in and you cluster them together. So if you, if you want to be in a theater in Atlanta, you better be in 10 or 15 or 20 theaters and you better spend several thousand dollars per theater. So you see how that, how that really adds up. So that's yeah. how you spend money, but you're getting the word out there about, in, about, your, uh, about, the, about the movie. And then what you hope is that once you're in the home market, and that's everything from, and I'm going to go into a different platform as well here in a second called Theatrical on Demand that is very, very, very exciting. Uh, but once you get to the home market, you know, you've got, you know, um, of course, your, your DVD and your, uh, and your Blu-ray sales and rentals. Uh, but you also have uh, digital, which has taken over. Honestly, there's, there's more money actually made in digital nowadays and the digital downloads and digital rentals than there, there is in, in the, the Blu-ray industry. So you, you, you get out there on, on all the different platforms for sale, then for rent, and then you go to SVOD. Well, there's also network rights too. Maybe, you, maybe there's a channel out there, a network channel that, that would want to buy the rights. Um, so you shop those. There's foreign rights. Um, some movies are more appealing to foreign than others, but there's foreign rights that you can sell as well to foreign distributors. And so there's all these different ways that you can make money. It's just about diving in and discovering them and trying not to get eaten by the sharks along the way because there's a lot of sharks in this business and young filmmakers especially are very susceptible to that. Look, we're, we're old guys, man. I'm Again, I'm 40. Um, I'm as hyper as if I were 25. But Dale and Chris are 47. They've been in the business world forever. Dale's been in the film world forever. So they they really, we all three had a good sense of where the sharks were and, and we had to avoid some, some snaps along the way. 
but but that that's kind of the economic model of it. Um, and the good thing is though that the, the, a movie can make money for years. It's kind of like a little annuity, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You're making money every step of the way. Uh, there, there was a little independent independent Christian film produced. Uh, by some guys down in uh, Southwest Georgia and Albany, and they've done really, really, really well. I, I, I saw some numbers recently that one of their movies that they made 10 years ago, 10 or 12 years ago, again, with a very small release, it made $100,000 last year just in sales and rentals alone. So the more movies you put out there, the more that kind of mailbox money you got coming back to you if you do it the right way. Again, there's a, there's a graveyard of, of films and filmmakers out there that litters the, the landscape. So it's really about doing it the right way. That's awesome. So, so I, I mean, you you alluded to this earlier as well, and thanks for doing that because I do think many of us are like, well, what does how does what does this even mean? What is success for a movie? But I do want to ask you just to, for at least one t- more time, just make sure we kind of expand upon the concept for the movie itself. Yeah, and and just and just why you felt yes, yeah, so you alluded to the the, the interesting nature of the experience that you pers- personally encountered. But what was it that made you say this is a story? That after Chris gave me the challenge, then I wrote it, then I got with Dale, despite Dale told me this could work, you know, there was something about this story that made me feel it was worth persevering through all of that. Even, even the, the humility of asking people to give you a million dollars. I mean, that's the, I mean, like, you don't, you know, that takes a little bit of humility, but also takes a great deal of confidence and belief mm-hmm. to say, I'm going to go to my personal network to, to, to raise $1 million. And yeah. so, what was it about the story and, and what should we all know about it? Okay. So yeah, the, not only did I find it interesting, but it's important. Okay. Group ministry inside churches is unbelievably important. You said you've been in a small group yourself. Um, you know that most churches in America, as, as little small, people kind of move to larger populated areas, churches are growing in size. A lot of people go to church. They go to church for community. But as, as churches get larger, it's harder. You get lost in, in, in the huge population of churches. It's harder to find your community at a mega church. And that's why 35 years ago, you know, Rick Warren kind of pioneered the small group movement in America because Saddleback was growing so big out in California. Now, I wouldn't say that he invented small groups. Jesus was in a small group himself, if you, if, if you think about it. But, uh, but, but I knew that it was an important social construct um, for, for people, not, you know, not just in the church, but it's also a great way uh, you know, that the church uses to, 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 to reach people who were, who were kind of unreached and who were lost and, look, and looking for community. So it's a very, it was a very important concept. It's very important to people's lives. And like I said, the, the relationship people have with their small group is as close as or closer than their, than their extended family. So for me, it was a story that had to be told. And thinking like a marketer, I knew that, you know, according to Barna Research, there are almost 40 million Americans who are in or have been in a small group. That's wow. a big deal. That's a market that's, that needs to be served. Also, the faith-based genre was growing at that time in 2014. So I knew there was a market out there of, of people, of, of Christians who wanted content that was told from a, from, a, from a biblical perspective, from a Christian perspective. I knew that there was something that they weren't getting. One of those things being, you know, a story about small group, a, a story that, that, that it's about a, a construct, a social construct that is, that is one of the basic building blocks of the church, um, a story that hadn't been told. I knew that that story, that, that because of the way you kind of 
because of, of, of how you are in a small group, people are more open in a small group, right? You're there to talk to each other. You're there to build trust. Uh, you, you make friends. They become your closest friends. You're sharing your, your hopes and your dreams and your celebrations and your, and your tragedies with them. You, know, you, t- you crack jokes in a small group that you're not going to crack in church. And I'm that kind of guy, man. If, 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 I'm, if I'm making a movie about something you know, in, involving church, especially, it's going to be like uh, to the edge of, of appropriateness because that's just kind of that's, <laughs> I'm that guy that's going to crack the joke you shouldn't crack. And so a small group really felt like uh, a way that I could tell a very real life story, which is something that the genre uh, has not earned the reputation for having. Now, I, I want to make sure and be clear about this. It's not my job to disparage other filmmakers, but anyone who's listening to this who has any knowledge of Christian films, I guarantee your listeners are sitting there now going, Okay, babe, maybe this guy's interesting, but I am skeptical. Every Christian movie I've seen is cheesy. I'm not going to see another one. I'm not putting myself through that. Um, I get that all the time. Um, I even had to make hats, as you see here. Um, this, this is our, our small group. Uh, no cheese guarantee. We, we, we have to lead with that because maybe some people will kind of be convinced, okay, I'll give this thing a try. So it really, you're, you're, and by the way, when they do, they love it. I also wanted to make a movie, if you want to kind of go into the story of the movie, I wanted to make a movie that challenges us by allowing us to see ourselves from the outside. Mm-hmm. I think if, if you want to get fair and you want to be fair uh, with, with, with anything, you got to understand the other guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have that in this country right now. All we have is, is hate and screaming from, from all sides of, of society. Um, all we have is, is outrage. People feed on outrage these days. And that is simply the opposite of what I, th- I think a peaceful society should be. We should be, instead of demonizing each other, we should be loving each other and trying to understand each other. So this movie is about a documentary filmmaker. Now, mind you, it's not a documentary. I want to say that it's a narrative film that just happens to be about a documentary filmmaker who's brought from L.A. to Georgia to uh, make a movie about the dwindling influence of Christianity in America. Uh, He wants to make an objective documentary. His producer has other ideas, wants more of a hit piece. Um, But in order to kind of pull back the curtain and really get some answers to some tough questions people have for Christians – uh, he, he, he infiltrates, he and his wife infiltrate a small group. They're wearing spy cameras. He's planting spy cameras, you know, invading their privacy by planting spy cameras in people's houses. Um, and, and it was important to me then that, that creates fun drama and tension, of course. Uh, but it, it was very important to me to, to come at this from him being the protagonist so that we can see the, the silly stereotypical version of ourselves. Cause that's what people are going to see like it or not. You know, people get mad about stereotypes. You're stereotyping me. Well, someone who doesn't understand you, when they first look at you, that's what they're going to see. Nobody can see the depth of you on the surface. And so we get to play with stereotypes uh, because he's motivated to, for an, to objectivity and to tell a complete story, he does dig deeper and we get to, we, we, we get to loosen our, our, our view. Um, we get to experience uh, the, the, the movie's experience and the tone really follows his deepening as well. So it was important for me to do that because I want to I challenge ourselves as, as Christians. Um, and it's, that's, that's part of any culture that I belong to. I would rather be critical of my own culture um, in order to open our eyes, then I would go be critical of another culture. So that's, that was important. And I think people really appreciate that. Everyone from the most conservative, far right-leading, southern, small town, old person Christian you've ever met to, you know, uh, and, you know non-believers and agnostics and atheists and Jewish people, they all seem to kind of really appreciate this film 
uh, because of that, because I, I'm, 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 I, it's about discovery. It's about, um, it's really a true message of grace and what, what grace and, and unconditional love looks like. And it's really about, um, understanding each other. And, and I think that's, that's, that, that fills a, a, a gap in the market that's not here right now. So, you know, coming at this thing, um, from the perspective of, of a marketer, I, I don't, I, you know, you don't want to write to a market. I heard uh, there's a country, so you live in Nashville. There's a country singer I know named Brantley Gilbert. He's, he's big these days. And I had a conversation with him. He's from Athens years ago. He's like, man, I ain't gonna write to a market. And I get that to, you know, you got to maintain your artistic integrity to a certain degree, but you also, art is about, not just about me expressing myself, art is about connection. And it's about someone, you know, experiencing what I've created and, 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 and I'm connecting with them through that and then them being moved moved in some way, being challenged in some way. And so, uh, you know, it is is smart to at least ask questions um, when 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 coming up with the product that you're going to create for me, this movie, um, as to, is this going to be something that people are going to respond to? Do I know who those people are? Do I know how to get to them? And and if it is, then I think you, you, you have a chance to be successful. I love that. And I think, I think, well, I mean, obviously, you know, from your experience as an entrepreneur, I think that that, that, that idea of saying, uh, putting connection over self-expression, yeah. I, think, I think that's really powerful. I think that for anyone who's listening, who's launching, um, sometimes our passion is what brings us to the idea or, 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 or just even the excitement of an interesting, innovative solution. And unfortunately, you are increasing, if you stay there, <laughs> you increase the risk of wasting your time because yeah. in, and and really not fulfilling uh, the component of yourself you really hope to fulfill through the through the success of what you're creating because in the day we want to create solutions that make people's lives better and that's a big part of what one thing why we advocate for for the you know the launch loop as we call it or the design thinking process where you're intentionally trying to put yourself in a frame, a mindset where you're trying to check a box off and say, yeah, do, have I empathized enough to discover a solution? And, and obviously the reason why Matt can speak, and I'm sure in some ways you might feel not so artistically about his film is because he spent so much time empathizing with those who would be on the receiving end of it. Yeah. And so, he, so he, you're clearly uniquely aware of what your film can do in the, in the lives of those who view it. So for those who want to check the film out, where do they go? What do they do? How do they see the trailer? Obviously, we'll put the trailer in the show notes. Great, yeah. Um, but I'd love for you just to kind of say, for those who are interested in seeing it, how can they go see it? Yeah, so uh, you can check out smallgroupmovie.com for, to check out the trailer. Uh, you can go to the media section and see clips from the movie and that kind of thing. Uh, we are releasing theatrically in uh, the Atlanta area. Uh, not just the Atlanta area, all over Georgia, a little bit in South Carolina, a little bit in Alabama on October the 19th. And then we will expand out into Knoxville, Nashville, and Dallas, Texas on November 2nd. But if you're not in any of those areas, that's cool because you can actually get small group in a, in a local theater near you through a very cool new innovative platform uh, developed by our, our distribution partner, Gather Films, called Theatrical On Demand. It's, this is really, really, really cool. And, and this is, is any, any young filmmakers listening right now, they should think about Theatrical On Demand in terms of their, their marketing plans. What Theatrical On Demand is, on my website, you can go to find theaters, right? And let's say you're in Spokane, Washington. I'm not releasing in Spokane, Washington. But you can put in Spokane, Washington right above the little map there, and it'll say no screenings are near you. But then you click gather a film and it's very simple. All you do is you, you register and then you find a local theater 
and you, you pick a date and you pick a time and all the our gather films has already kind of built this infrastructure with all the major theaters. So you pick a date, you pick a time and then you, you schedule your screening. Uh, th- then you, we, we give you materials that you can kind of market. You just send them and send the, the link to the, to the trailer. You send the link to the to buy tickets. You, you basically tell your friends all about the movie. And if we get enough reservations to cover the cost of that theater, then boom, the, the, the screening what called tips. And, uh, and usually when they tip, they sell out. So uh, uh, someone who has a little bit of time on their hands and, and has, you know, access to a, a large social network, especially like, you know, pastors and groups pastors, this really makes a great experience for groups to come out together and, and kind of see their story unfold. So it's really easy. Um, we've got screenings popping up right now all over the country, Seattle, Washington. I've got one tomorrow night, a huge screening up in uh, Lansing, Michigan. We've got them in Texas. We've got them all over. So it takes five minutes to kind of reserve the theater near you and, uh, and, and just a few emails and social media posts. And next thing you know, um, and we, we invited you to one, actually, Kevin, that's happening in Nashville, Tennessee next week. So I hope you can uh, find a babysitter and, uh, and, and you and your wife can go enjoy the screening of Small Group. Well, I appreciate that, my friend. So, so Matt, before we leave, what would be some parting words of wisdom that you have? I mean, obviously, you've done a lot. Uh, started a marketing agency, sold the marketing agency, became a full-time filmmaker, pitched a film, raised money for a film. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, you've done a lot over your career. Sold radio ads. What would be some of the parting words you might share with anyone who just has an idea? They just have an idea. They want to launch something within a business, within an organization, with, outside of it. What are just some things you might want to share with them before we, before we let you go? I'm going to get real specific here and share a little bit of advice that someone gave me and my, my business partner, Mike Usry, when we were starting Prolific. An old man came up to us and he goes, boys, you remember this, all right? You'll choke before you starve. Hmm. And what he meant by that is that as, as entrepreneurs, when we first start an idea, a lot of times we are so focused on just generating some revenue to just pay our bills. Um, we're so afraid of starvation that we take on water. We take on more than we got off more than we can chew a lot of times because we, you, you end up, you build a habit of, of, of being afraid of starvation, being afraid of not having the, the revenue. And, mm-hmm. and what I've noticed is, is, is what you really have to watch out for is managing and planning for your growth because you're probably not going to starve and it's a long process and you'll see it come and you can do something about it, but you can choke in an instant. And you, we, we, there are several times that, that certain things, especially in this filmmaking, one wrong decision, boom, it all goes downhill. So um, in, in, in chasing the, the revenue stream and chasing the, the goal, just be very, very careful not to, uh, not, not, not to, not to kind of, I don't want to say limit yourself, but but plan to grow in, in a wise way so that you don't choke because choking is a far more violent and scary and immediate death. Mm, wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you for coming on the podcast for us. We really appreciate it. I'm excited, excited to hear your journey as well. I mean, that's really cool. So if you're a listener to this podcast, first, we'd love for you to go check out Go to smallgroupmovie.com. Yeah. Check it out for yourself. I mean, uh, if, you're, if you're an aspiring filmmaker and more of a creative entrepreneur and you, and you want to understand that, uh, we would love for you to, to check it out as well and just kind of see the manifestation of even what Matt was sharing with us on the podcast today. If this, I mean, if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe to it. Our, our goal is to help you grow on the go, and that ha- happens by you automating a lot of your learning. And that happens by you having great people like Matt, like Terry Smith, 
like Mackenzie Wilson, people we've had on this podcast over the past few weeks and just jumping right into your iPhone, on your iPad, on your Android phone, whatever device you like to use and having this content come to you so you can hear and learn from others every single week. Um, also, we'd love for you to leave a rating or review. So if you enjoy the show, give us a rating on iTunes, uh, preferably iTunes, because that's kind of like the Google of podcast world. So it's a great way for people to discover what we are doing um, and, and have that there. Uh, I will say the, the third thing is check out the show notes. So we, we try to make sure that there are some key takeaways within the podcast, uh, ideas and principles that Matt shared with us. And we do our job to kind of distill that for you. So if you're in the car right now, if you're working out, if you're doing yard work, uh, if you're in the carpool line, wherever you are, you do not have to feel the pressure to try to grab a pen. Uh, we do our best to, to give you that information uh, so you can kind of revisit that. So you have to go to Launch University, that's youuniversity.com uh, forward slash podcast. And we have all of the episodes that we've released thus far there for you. And lastly, if you have a question, if you're like, hey, Kevin, I, I, you all give me some good ideas, but I need someone to help me address a particular challenge I'm facing, we now have the ability for you to call us and leave a voicemail on the podcast. You can even um, record it on your computer. So if you're like, hey, I, I, I'm not near a phone, but I am near my computer, you can do that as well. So if you go to launchuniversity.com forward slash question, uh, you can leave a voicemail there, or you can even just call 678-744-7909. That's 678-744-7909. We'd love to help you. And when we have enough questions gathered for a Q&A episode, we're actually going to do one with the entire entire team. So Matt, thank you again. Thank you for having Hey, I just subscribed to Launch University. Come on. Yeah. Look at that. Look, yeah. that. look how fast that was, folks. That's our, that's, thank you uh, for doing that, Matt. I can't wait to hear more, man. I'm loving this show. Oh, man. Thank It'll you. It'll be way better even when I'm not on it. I'll have even more. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, hey, you know what? Thank you so much again. Sincerely, folks, go out there. Give it a chance. Give, 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 you know, we want to support the launchers that come on this podcast. At the end of the day, we all are a community. Um, and, and we, and we believe that as I said, sometimes it just takes, they say it just takes one person to turn a lone nut into a leader. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, so we wanted, we want to make sure we gather and support one another because that's how things move forward. Uh, not only with our projects, but also in our country is us gathering around those who are trying to move things forward uh, with ideation and different solutions and uh, cheering each other on. So thanks again. And we look forward to having you join us next time on the launch university podcast. Thanks for listening to the Launch University Podcast. We hope it's helped you move from go-getter to difference maker. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. For more helpful resources, visit launchuniversity.com.